Hi there, Pastor John here. Before we get started, I have a small favor I'd like to ask of you. If you're listening to our podcast regularly and you're not part of the usual First Baptist Church of Oregon City family, maybe you are a member of a different church, maybe you don't even live in the state of Oregon, uh, maybe you don't even live in the United States, but if you're listening to this podcast and you fit any of those criteria, would you mind sending us an email to baptist.church at comcast.net? Um, or you could also send a message through our Facebook or Instagram profiles. And we'd be happy to hear how you uh, first heard about our worship service podcast uh, and how God is using it in your life. So if you're, if you're listening from outside of our First Baptist Church of Oregon City family, thanks. And we hope to hear from you soon. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. We are here this morning via podcast, which is not the way that any of us thought we would be worshiping at this point last year. But even though we are apart, we're still together because of who we belong to. See, the distance doesn't make a difference as much as who it is that we're worshiping, because we're worshiping Jesus Christ as his people, as his people who were redeemed by his death and who were brought victory by his resurrection and who are able to worship him in his presence wherever we are through his ascension. And it is in that spirit that we worship this morning, knowing that even though the situation is, is not ideal, that worshiping via podcast helps us continue to love our neighbors and be a good witness in our neighborhood and world as we stand against this awful virus that's ravaging our city, our state, and our nation. We are glad that you are worshiping with us this morning. And we pray that you would be encouraged and lifted up and filled with the Holy Spirit as you hear the word of God proclaimed in all of its forms this morning. One thing I'd like to draw your attention to is uh, some communication that we've been sending out to church members this week about something called One Church, One Book. We will be reading the book, The Lord and His Prayer by N.T. Wright together, starting at the beginning of September. And through the four Sundays in September and the two Sundays in October, the first two Sundays in October, rather, uh, I will be preaching through that, uh, that book chapter by chapter. It's a book that takes the Lord's Prayer and breaks it down into six sections and considers what does this mean for us as followers of Jesus? What did Jesus mean as he, he gave it to his disciples to pray? Um, we will also be gathering in community groups uh, for the first time. We will be taking precautions to make sure that our gatherings are not uh, sites where COVID is spread. Um, but we did send out emails and we have sent out a mailer that may or may not have reached your mailbox by this point. But take a look at it, and if you're interested in joining one of these community groups, uh, there's a, a comment card uh, that you can drop in the mail in the envelopes, or you can send us an email. Uh, the, the instructions are all there in, in what we've sent out. 
And we'll also be encouraging everyone to, to pray the Lord's Prayer uh, at least once a day. Uh, when Jesus' disciples asked him, how should we pray? He gave them this prayer, and, and he gave it to them for a reason. And so that's what we're going to be studying for six weeks, beginning on September the 6th. Again, we hope and pray that as you are listening, that you are encouraged and lifted up, that you are in good spirits. But if you're not, if you're struggling, if you're struggling with loneliness, if you're struggling with anxiety, uh, if you're struggling with, uh, with anything that, that you feel is, is swallowing you up, please reach out to us. Uh, you can call the church office. Uh, you can send the, the church an email. All of that information is on our website, uh, onebaptistchurch.org. And, uh, and we would be happy to reach out to you with the grace and peace and love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm chapter 138 and Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. I give you thanks, O Lord, with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness, for your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One is holy, and he has done great things for me. Every king in all the earth will thank you, Lord, for all of them will hear your words. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. Yes, they will sing about the Lord's ways, for the glory of the Lord is very great. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand, and the power of your right hand saves me. The Lord will work out his plans for my life, for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. 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 Don't abandon me, for you made me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God.
Before we go to prayer, we're going to praise the Lord for the good news that Willie Coons is going home from the rehab center on Tuesday. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father, you are truth-telling, wind-blowing, life-giving spirit. We present ourselves now for our instruction and guidance. Breathe your truth among us. Breathe your truth of deep Friday loss, your truth of awesome Sunday joy. Breathe your story of death and life, that our story may be submitted to your will for life. Lord, we want to praise you for Willie Coon's recovery and rehab and that he will be going home on Tuesday. And I pray that Willie and his two daughters, Diane and Susie, will continue with his rehab as he gets stronger. And Lord, our prayer is is that he will regain his strength and his life will be give him meaning again. Lord, I also praise you for all the other prayers that you have answered in our life. We know you are a God who loves to answer our prayers. So help us to put our faith and trust in you. Lord, I also pray for those who are dealing with ongoing illnesses. And I think of John and Marilyn Millicent as John is confronting a medical condition. I also pray for those who are going through cancer, cancer treatments, and other health problems during the COVID-19 crisis. May the Lord draw near to them and protect them and watch over them. We place them in your hands, O Lord. When the trial is toughest, that is when you will be the nearest. You will be there to give them courage, comfort, and show your love for them. I pray that each person keeps their faith strong and trusts in you. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will be preparing us for our one church, one book, that we can gather together in unity and love for one another. And there will be an eagerness to see how God is working and will continue to work in our lives. Lord, I pray for our young church and for those who lead them. I place their prayer requests before you, for you already know what they are and already have a solution in mind. Help them to trust in you, Lord. I pray that there be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the leaders as they serve these kids. And Lord, I pray for our pastor today as he brings us the message. Open our open our ears and open our minds to receive the words that he will be speaking to us. And not only do we receive them, Lord, but we put them into practice in our lives. And Lord, as we record this podcast, My prayer is that all who hear it will be blessed by it. 
no matter where they are hearing the podcast from. And as I close this prayer, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus, risen to new life and him crucified. In your precious name, amen. Our scripture reading for the morning comes from Genesis chapter 16, and we will be reading the whole chapter, but it's verses 1 through 16, so it's ultimately longer than it actually sounds. So we'll be reading Genesis chapter 16, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation today. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. 
Abram replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears, for the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, You are the God who sees me. She also said, Have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Beer Lahai Roy, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram, Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Something that I find myself saying frequently when I'm in the presence of, of people who have heard a lot of my stories and tall tales is, stop me if, you think you, if, if, you, if I've told you this one before. Stop me if, I, if I've said this before. It's something along those lines. Because there's the possibility that as I'm telling a story, people may be reminded that I have indeed told that story before and that I am, in fact, repeating myself. I'm only 35 years old, but yet I continually repeat myself. And it's, it's just a thing that happens, and I, I don't understand why. But sometimes you, you'll, you'll hear a bit of a story, uh, if you listen to me long enough, and it'll, you'll think, wait a minute, I've, I've heard that before, that registers with me. Well, in this passage, there's a lot that registers. There's a lot that is either looking back or foreshadowing. But the first thing that we notice, if we're really paying attention, and it's, it would be easier if we all could read the, the Hebrew, um, but we can't. Fortunately, there are scholars who read the Hebrew and, and point this sort of thing out to us. And the first thing that we would notice is in Sarai presenting Abram with Hagar, because what the scripture says is, so Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. But we've heard that before, because it's the same formulation as when Eve gives the fruit to Adam. Because Eve takes the fruit and she gives some to her husband, Adam. 
from the very beginning of this story, we know all is not well. We know that this story is, is going to be a bumpy ride. And that is the first clue that, it's going to, that we're going to be in for it because we're reminded of the downfall of the first two people we meet in the Bible. Then we look at Hagar. We've got to think about Hagar and ask, who is Hagar? Well, it says that she's an Egyptian servant. And in the early parts of, of Abram's story, Abram, who would later be known as Abraham, in the early parts of Abram's story, chapters 11 and 12, we find Abram and Sarai going to Egypt. And it's very distinctly likely that somehow in their time in Egypt, as tumultuous as it was, they picked up Hagar, a servant. Now, Hagar, while there is a newspaper comic strip character known as Hagar the Horrible, Hagar, when translated, simply means foreign thing. This woman was so disregarded in the story that other people get names that describe their personalities or describe what they are to be when they grow up. Um, you know, we think of, in a, in a few chapters, you'll meet uh, Sarah's, Abraham and Sarah's son, Isaac. And Isaac means laughter because when the angels uh, told uh, Sarah that she was going to bear a son, she laughed at them. Isaac means laughter. Ishmael, later on in this story, gets a name, and it means God hears. Hagar's just foreign thing. She's disregarded. She's seen as property. She's, she's seen as less than a human to the point that her, her body is just seen as a tool to accomplish a goal of Abram and Sarai. God had promised that through Abram, he would create a mighty nation, that, that he was going to bless Abram so that Abram's people would bless the whole world, and that, that they would bear a son, and that this is how it would happen. Well, time has passed, and this, this is not exactly working out the way that Abram and Sarai thought it was going to work out. And so Sarai says, look, you know, I know this is what, what the Lord said. This is what Yahweh says. But let's hurry this up a little bit. You know, let's, let's get this going because obviously this isn't going to happen through me. So I'm going to give you this woman. I'm going to give you this foreign thing, Hagar, my maidservant. And she's going to accomplish this goal for us. So Hagar wasn't just seen as property. She was seen as a means to an end. When we hear the name Hagar and, and we, we know the, the Hebrew behind it, we also know that this is the same language that's used in the about 36 times in the law that would, would be coming in the next few books, that the Israelites were commanded 
to treat foreigners in their land well because they were once foreigners in Egypt, because they were once in the position of Hagar, where their humanity was not recognized, where their personhood was diminished, where they were seen as tools to build Egyptian military and political power. Hagar was in this position, and the Israelites would also someday be in this position. And so it happens. Sarai gives Hagar to Abram. Abram and Hagar do the deed. And Hagar becomes pregnant. And we, we hear Sarai say that Hagar is treating her with contempt. And we don't fully know what that means. Some translations say they, it, that, it, that Hagar treats Sarai with contempt. Others say that, they, that she treats her with disdain. We don't know what this looks like. We don't have the details. You know, was there a lot of side-eye going on? You know, was Hagar giving Sarai the stink-eye on the regular? Um, you know, were they, were they exchanging nasty remarks to each other? We don't know. We don't know what was happening. But what we do know is there was tension between Hagar and Sarai. Because Sarai had used Hagar to try to accomplish this purpose. And, and Sarai goes to Abram and says, you know, look, this is your fault. And then she does own up to her, her role in the problem. And Abram just says, look, you two sort it out. You figure it out. And then we get told that Sarai treats Hagar harshly. And this is the same language that is used in Exodus chapter 1 that describes how the Israelites were treated by Pharaoh once no one was around to remember all of the things that Joseph had done for Egypt. And, and so we, we have looked backwards and seen where, where Sarai did something that she shouldn't have done. She tried to accomplish God's purposes using worldly ways, and now we're seeing the consequences now we're seeing that this has directly led to the diminishing of this human being and her unborn child. And in fact, if you, if you look at what's going on here, in the whole story, the child inside, the person inside Hagar matters to Abram and Sarai more than Hagar does. It's, it's this twisted, tangled-up mess. And so being oppressed, being mistreated, being treated cruelly, Hagar takes off. She runs. And I don't think any of us are going to blame her for that. She's been treated as less than a person. It doesn't matter except that she could bear a child. And so she leaves. But interestingly, this is where God steps in. And I love, I love when this happens in, in stories in the Bible. And it's these, 
but God moments. Hagar was, was fleeing from mistreatment, but God steps in. And it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Hagar. And Hagar, by the way, is running the reverse route from where Abram and Sarai came from Egypt. She's running the opposite direction that they came from Egypt, going back to Egypt. And throughout the Bible, with no offense to the, the current country, the, the current geopolitical country of Egypt, I, I'm sure it's a wonderful place where you can go see pyramids and eat delicious food. Um, mostly when I travel, I'm, I'm interested in eating food. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, with, with no offense to, to, to modern Egypt, um, in, in the Bible, Egypt is not a place you go back to. Once you leave, you don't go back to Egypt. Because having left Egypt, God has something else for you. And so he stops, he stops Hagar. And it says, the angel of the Lord comes. And, and a, another way to translate that would be ambassador or envoy. It was somebody, there, there's all sorts of debate as to exactly who this was, but the bottom line is it was understood to be either God himself or a messenger that had the authority to speak as God. Because at that time in, in the world, uh, if, you were a, if you were a king and you sent out a messenger, that messenger was somebody who didn't just know what the message was, but know the implication. They knew the implications of it, and they knew how they wanted it said. And so God sends this person to Hagar and says, where are you going? And she says, I'm running away. I'm going back to Egypt. And he says, don't. He stops her, he sees her, and he gives her a task. And it's to go back to Sarai. And it's a difficult task because going back to Sarai means dealing with the consequences of running away. But God never gives somebody a task without equipping them for that task. And so he gives Hagar a promise that your, your son, the, the boy that you're carrying, will be a mighty nation as well. And, and some of the language that, that is used to describe Ishmael doesn't sound particularly pleasant. If somebody ran up to me and said, you're a wild donkey of a man, aren't you? Uh, I would not take that very well. That does not sound like a, a complimentary phrase. But the implication is that Ishmael will not be oppressed the way that Hagar has been oppressed. That Ishmael will not be treated the way that Hagar is treated. And it says that Ishmael means God hears. And if we look in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we find a verse that is called the Shema and, and still opens Jewish worship today. 
And the first phrase of it is Shema Yisrael, or Hear, O Israel. That, that phrase, that name, Shema, is planted inside Ishmael. The promise of God rests on this boy as well. And so with this, God has seen Hagar and he has, he has stopped Hagar and given her a task and equipped her for it. And Hagar then has a unique honor in the Bible. She is the first person to give God a name. And she says, you are El Roy. You are the God who sees me. You are the God who sees me. And she says, how have I lived having seen the one who sees me? Because she thought, having seen God, she would surely perish. And so now, with all of this, she has the strength to go back and complete this task. She has the strength to go back to Sarai. She has the strength to give birth to Ishmael. She has strength to continue on in this journey because her story isn't over. For what we're talking about today, we're, we're not going to get into the second half of it, but there's more of it if you flip a few chapters over in Genesis. Just do that later, please. And so we find out that this is the God who sees Hagar. This is the God who sees this person that, that other people have not treated as a person, but have treated the way that you would a hammer or a pair of bolt cutters. Uh, this, is, this is the God who sees this runaway slave girl who had, had left Egypt one way or another by choice or by force and had gone with these people and now has been caught up in this story that is bigger than she can understand and overwhelmed her at first. And she's a person who was cast off and mistreated and oppressed and treated harshly. But God sees her. And God sees her and cares about her enough to stop her and care for her. and to equip her to play her role in the story. This is also the God who sees Sarai, who sees Sarai, whose name means princess, but she could only hear a different name, which was barren, that she couldn't have kids. And she couldn't bear, she thought, for Abraham the child of, of prom the promise of God. And so instead of waiting on the Lord, she tried to use the ways of the world to accomplish what she thought just needed to happen. It might have been acceptable in that culture to, to do what she did, but that wasn't how God had had planned for it to happen. She jumped the gun. 
She did something too soon. And she did it in a way that caused a lot of chaos in this story. Now, God is a master at redeeming human chaos. God steps into our mess and sorts things out. But that doesn't mean that we ought to go around making messes just so we can watch God clean them up. And sometimes we're tempted as followers of Jesus now to do the same thing that Sarai did. Abram, meanwhile, kind of sits in the background of this story. Kind of after the first few verses, you, you don't see much of Abram. But it's Abram's indifference and Abram's willingness to go along with this plan of Sarai that enables all of this chaos to happen, that enables Hagar to be treated as as a thing, as a foreign thing, that enables Sarah to, uh, Sarai to oppress Hagar. And Abram just kind of hangs out in the background while it happens. And God sees Abram too. And so how does God see us? Well, as I was starting to say when I talked about Sarai, boy, we do that sometimes, don't we? We think that if, if God's moving too slowly for our taste or, or, or God isn't acting the way that we think God ought to act, that we should just do what's got to get done to make sure that what needs to happen happens. And so we do things like put our trust in political power. We hang our hopes on a, on a political party or a candidate instead of saying, Lord, we trust that your ways are higher and that we're going to follow the ways of Jesus the crucified instead we grasp for power as a way to accomplish God's kingdom purposes or we grasp for money we think that that if if we've got enough money that if we've got enough wealth amassed that that this is really going to that this is really going to make the difference between God's kingdom come and having to wait a little bit while longer. And sometimes it's not even dramatic as that. Sometimes we just think that if we can cast this person aside or this type of person aside, that it will be easy for us to accomplish God's purposes. Messy people are sometimes messy to deal with, and it's easy to push messy people aside. We could be Abram. We could be Abram who sit back and, and say, you know, hey, look, I, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm just over here doing my own thing. You all sort this out. And we can watch a lot of stuff happen in the name of Jesus, that we should be saying, hey, maybe, 
maybe, maybe that's not the way of Jesus. Maybe this isn't the way God operates. But that takes boldness and courage that we either fear that we don't possess, or it takes, takes initiative that it's just a little too costly for us. And so we sit idly by. Or are we Hagar? And I want to make something clear is that not a lot of us are in the shoes of Hagar. I'm not in the shoes of Hagar. I've never been oppressed. I have never been treated as less than a person in the way that Hagar was. I've had my feelings hurt. I've been kicked around a bit. I was bullied a lot in school because, well, of the everything about me. (laughs) But I have never stood in the shoes of Hagar. And most of the rest of us have not either. But there are people in our world who, who have and who are currently in the role of Hagar. And maybe somebody listening right now is in that role where you're being chronically treated as less than a person. Something about you has has caused society to cast you to the side. And Unfortunately, sometimes the church goes along with that and casts people to the side as well. And if you're one of those cast-aside people, for whatever reason, God sees you. God wants to stop you in your tracks and say, I'm going to give you the strength that you need to continue on. And I'm going to put you back in a family and care for you. And if we're truly being followers of Jesus, then we've got to be on the lookout for the Hagars of the world. We've got to be on the lookout for the people who are being cast aside and pushed off because they're difficult to deal with or their lives are messy or we disagree with them. Because those are the people that God shows up for. Because in this particular story, in Genesis chapter 16, it isn't the master of the house, Abram, that God appears to. It isn't the mistress of the house, Sarai, that God speaks to. It's the runaway foreign thing that was on her way back to Egypt that God stops. And she says, you are the God who sees me. May we see people 
the way that God sees people. word you were singing over me you have been so so good to me for I took a breath you breathed your life in me you have been so so kind to me Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, yeah. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Let's pray together.
Grant, O merciful God, that your church, being gathered together in unity by your Holy Spirit, may show forth your power among all peoples to the glory of your great name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us this morning. We pray that as God's word has, has made its way through electronic means to your ears, that you would have been encouraged and refreshed and had a sense of the Holy Spirit that unites all who follow Jesus, who unites all for whom Jesus is Lord. If you're interested in finding out more about One Church, One Book, um, check your Friday email. We also sent an email out last Wednesday. But you can also email the church at baptist.church at comcast.net for more information. Um, or visit the church website or Facebook page. Uh, I would like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for the music this morning. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer. I would like to thank Katie Witham for leading the, uh, the First Baptist Church Readers. I think the, the title of the group changes from week to week, but, but we are grateful for that. And we are thankful for Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers who make everything sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands.